every every one of the funerals that that I've done, I'm always reminded of how important it is to do everything you can to make an impact on as many people as you can. And let's make the kind of impact that we we ought to make and, and tell people about Jesus and tell them how much that our Savior loves them and and love them the way that the Savior loves them. And, and uh, you know, let, let's go out that way, making a difference in, in uh, so many people's lives. And uh, uh, we'll see that God will never overlook any of those things that you do for him. He'll remember every one of them. And so let's just keep doing it for God, and, and let's see God do something great uh, with each one of us. Now, I'm going to continue to focus on uh, some of the issues that maybe drives the church into uh, destruction. And Chris, I don't know if you still have that picture. There it is. Look at you. He's prepared now. He's like, mm-hmm. So, appreciate that. <clears throat> I'm going to, I, I, I hope that this leaves the same impression on you. And it may not on the, in the same aspects, but hope it leaves an impression upon you like it did me. That was the church where I grew up in little town of Spicker, Missouri. And population at the time, I think on the sign said 389. And now it's like 250 in that little town. Uh, Methodist Church is closed. The Assembly of God Church is closed. The, the uh, Baptist Church is closed there in town. I believe the only one still going right now is the Christian Church. And... and uh, was back there for a funeral there just um, a couple of years ago, and so I do believe it's still in existence, but I, I was back this year when Teresa and I made a real quick trip to Iowa to see some of her family, and we stopped back in to see my mom and dad on the way home, just to, out one day and home the next day, and and uh, we stopped and, and drove through town. I said, hey, let's go by the church, and, and there it is, and uh, it just made an impression upon me, and, and I've told you this before, as a pastor, sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat uh, thinking this is what could happen, and I just never want that to happen. I, I don't, uh, and, and so we've been looking at ways to make sure that those things don't happen to our church, and, and uh, uh, today I'm, I'm going to preach on the comfort zone. <clears throat> and sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. You know, I, I, I make some of you get out of your comfort zone every Sunday morning. You're freezing to death sitting in here. Some of you are fanning yourselves and thinking you're going to pass out from a heat stroke. Then the others of you are right in your comfort zone and you're very comfortable. I don't know, maybe next week I'll just turn it all off and we'll just sweat. And so those, those whiners will be happy. The ones that are already hot now, you're going to pass out. <laughs> so I don't know, but yeah, you know. The, and and I think about this, and I and I think about what what do we do when when we when we thinking about being in a comfort zone? Well, you know, we're keeping that thermostat right where we want it to be, where we're comfortable. Don't don't disturb me. Don't 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 get me out of that comfort. I'm I'm very happy where I am, and. Uh, don't put any undue expectations upon me. And, and now I'm talking about our church, okay? And I'm talking about how, 
how do we keep our church from letting the vines overgrow it and and uh, take over? And and uh, can I tell you something too? This year would be an easy year for those vines to take over, right? I mean, you you have to be diligent in making sure that that things are what they ought to be. And I'm not just talking about physically, but um, it, but people rise to the uh, to the occasion. Let's be that. Let's be the one that gets out of their comfort zone and and uh, does things for God that He's laying on their heart that you never thought that you would do. And uh, you know, we we have plenty who will uh, sit around and and obviously don't don't put any expectations upon them except uh, they will be happy to be the church critic and they're happy to sit there in their in their seat. And tell you everything that's going wrong, but uh, don't expect them to get out of their comfort zone. No inconveniences, and uh, and and uh, don't go out of their way to help each other. Or can can I tell you that it it takes work to be a friendly church. It takes work for every one of you to you see someone new that you don't know to stand up and walk over to them and introduce yourself and and talk to them and and. Find out a little bit about someone. You know, sometimes I, I don't. I don't like this because I get used to where you all sit. But every once in a while, it might be good in in the size that we are to sit somewhere else to get to know a different circle of people and find out how the other parts live. You know, it's kind of like that aisle back there is like the railroad tracks, and you know, some of you are on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm not going to say which side. All right, but. That's the way some kind of look at it, you know, <laughs> and maybe we ought to cross the tracks and find out how the other side lives, you know, and, and, and work at being friendly and talking to one another and, and making certain that, that people know that, that you really do care about them and that you care about the Savior and, and you want to make sure that it's a welcoming experience for each other to come and to be in, encouraged because the, the good news is that Jesus loves us all, and, and we, some have understood that and recognized that and, and understood and realized the, the sacrifice that he's made and have called on Christ to be their Savior. And really, that's the goal that we have for everyone that comes is make certain that they know Christ is their Savior. Nothing more important than knowing that you're on your way uh, to heaven for eternity. And, and you got to get out of your comfort zone and and you got to get past the idea of we four and no more. Boy, there are a lot of times where churches can get very comfortable with who they have in their church family, and that's all they want in their church family, and, and they don't want any more. And, and look, look, I've seen it happen. I've seen people who have, who have actually left our church because they said, well, it's just getting too big. And, and, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I'm... I, I never have wanted that. I, I never wanted it to just stay small so that we could be uh, comfortable. I don't want to be comfortable in this. And, and so let us uh, continue to reach out and, and let us get out of our comfort zone and not be afraid of change. Now, there are certain things that we will not change. We're not going to change doctrinal purity. We're, we're not going to change certain aspects of, of this ministry that is what we see as biblical, and, and those are hills that we are willing to die on, okay? But there are many things that, that are our preferences that we should be careful with, and let us not make our preferences become doctrine. That's what happened 
with the Pharisees. The Pharisees started making up their own rules of holiness, and, and that's why when Jesus came along and really turned the, the apple cart upside down and, and showed them that, that a relationship wasn't about rules, but it, the relationship was about a person in Jesus, and, and let us make sure that, that we are telling people about the relationship with Jesus and not just rules of expectation and and. Uh, so be careful with that. That's why they were intimidated. That is ultimately the main reason why they killed Jesus uh, on that cross. And so, but there are things that, that we ought to be willing to change. If you're an introvert, then work hard at, at, at coming out of that shell and talking to someone. Maybe your goal is much smaller that, than someone else's, that, that someone else's goal that's an extrovert. You know, so I, I'm, I'm, Big on goals. I think goals are good. You know, if you're an introvert, I'm going to, I am going to make a concerted effort this week to reach out to someone, one person. Just reach out and do it. And then maybe you do that, and you do that for several months, and every week you reach out to another person. And then maybe you're, now, you're more of an extrovert, and so you go, and all right, I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure, and I'm going to talk to someone every day. I don't know, whatever. Uh, just set some goals that that you know that God would be in and and then and set those goals also as a church body that every every time you are here make an effort to talk to someone in the service that you don't know and be friendly and talk to them and really try to get to know who they are I I don't I don't see anyone that would be offended if you have to take a little pad around with you and write their names down you know if some of you would get in gear on the uh, on the the digital uh, 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 church connect thing and and put your little ugly faces on there, all right, and your names and 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 get them on there, you know uh, that would help. You know people could like scroll, you know, and I I think it's funny. You think you're sneaky, you know, you're sitting over there. Uh, but it's all right. You get to know each other's names. There's nothing wrong with... How many have ever forgotten someone's name? I've looked at some of you, known you for 20 years, and all of a sudden I can't remember who you are. I, I, came, in, I came in one day this week, and I walked over to my... And I have those, the codes on the doors, right? And I looked at my office door, and I had to call Thane to get my code. To get, to, I thought, how am I going to get in here? I, you know, and, and I didn't want to call my wife. She's upstairs. She doesn't, you know. She, so I call, you know, she's, she's going to be thinking, I, I need to stick him in an institution here soon. So I'm not going to give her any excuse. I want to make 50. So, but, you know, I, I, I just, we <laughs> I don't even know where that was going. Let's just not be afraid of change, okay? And some things can change, and let us be willing to be used by God. And, and if it gets us out of our comfort zone, then let it get us out of our comfort zone. And, and let's, let's try to make a difference in some, yeah, I, for, I forget some of your names. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, you, you, you know, that, uh, Nick, right? Yeah, 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 all right. All right, so, but the comfort zone. So how do we do this? How, how, do, how do we... And, and 
the comfort zone that, that I want to focus on today is, is kind of the attitude of we four and no more. And how do we stay away from that? Well, three, three steps that I think that, that we ought to work on. First of all, let's keep focus on our main objectives. If we are keeping focus of our main objectives, I, if, if our church has a purpose statement, this would be our purpose statement. We glorify God, and you glorify God in two ways. You evangelize the lost, and you edify the believer. That's it. That's a purpose statement that we have for our church. We want to ultimately, in everything that we're doing, glorify God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, right? Whatever we're doing, let us do it to glorify God. And the purpose that we are here in existence today, and I truly believe this, as we glorify God, we're doing two things. We're either evangelizing the lost, telling people about Jesus, or we are edifying the believer and helping them to be encouraged in their walk and to uh, be more faithful in evangelizing the lost. I mean, that, that's a simple goal that, that all of us ought to have, and that's the main objectives that we have. And, and so that's why when we get into the building the new sanctuary, the, whenever we start picking the colors and picking the, the light fixtures and picking the, the, the different you know, things in the, the restroom, the faucets and the, the kitchen in there and all of those things, that it, it really, none of those things are worth fighting over. And, and if we don't get everything exactly the way that we want, it's okay because really none of those things truly matter. What matters is that we glorify God and that we use that building to evangelize the lost and edify the believer. And so, and don't be a critic in that too. I had someone come to me one time and, and said, well, pastor, I think if we're going to glorify God, we need to edify the believer and then evangelize the lost. I'm like, sorry. Oh, I, I think, you, you know, either way, okay, really doesn't matter, all right? You either edify or you evangelize, or you evangelize, you edify, either way, all right? It does, depends on who you're talking to, but that's an example of a critic, Okay. Someone that, that really is very comfortable with where they are and, and, and maybe they find it easier to talk to a believer than it is to talk to an unbeliever. Well, get out of your comfort zone. And so go do something different than what you're used to. And, but in all of this, keeping focus of your main objection, the objectives that we have, glorify God, evangelize the lost. God said, go you therefore and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, that, that he gave certain gifts. He gave the, the gifts that are now dead, but he gave us the, the foundation, the cornerstones that, that we have, that uh, Jesus being the head cornerstone. The, uh, he, well, just go over there and look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, if you would, and, and uh, I'll, I'll just read these verses real quick. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. We don't have those today. They're dead. They died, and, and we don't need prophets today because we have the entire Word of God in front of us. Don't try to speak something new when God has given us everything that we need right here in His Word. So many people want to try to say that they have something more important to say than God. God has said everything that He needs to say right here, and until we can obey what this says, then you don't need to be concerned about saying something new. As a matter of fact, he warns against that in Revelation. And so here, let us be 
Uh, and so the apostles, you had, to, you had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I know that some of you might consider yourself to be elderly, but you're not that old. None of you saw Jesus raised from the dead, okay? It's been a little over 2,000 years ago. If you did, uh, we need to talk, all right? <clears throat> and so go write a book and become filthy rich, you know? And uh, uh, Anyway, but apostles, prophets, some evangelists. We have evangelists come through, and they're a gift of the church, and, and, they're, and they're bringers of the good news, and, and they're exciting about uh, listening to their love that they have for the unsaved people. And I do believe that it is a gift of the evangelists that, that many have, that a desire to share that gospel and see people saved and pastors and teachers and and that's the same person the pastor ought to be the teacher the teacher ought to be the pastor in in this situation and why for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. And so here, edifying the believer, how important it is that we do this. And, and so then he even tells us and he explains us more of how to do this in, in Matthew chapter 28. What we have is called the the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and he's talking to his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. This is after his crucifixion, and he has appeared and shown himself to all of those disciples, and over 500 people have seen him at different times now, knowing that he's alive, and, and this is the last words that he gives to his disciples. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That power that was given to Jesus is the very same power that God wants to give us today to live in this crazy world and, and be able to stand and be honest and be trustworthy and be the, the kind of people that God wants us to be as believers today walking in this crazy world in a way that, that God can use. And God can give you the power to do that. And he says, go ye therefore. And, and this has the idea of as you are going, okay? And so it's not like now all of a sudden you have to go. You already ought to be going. As you go, wherever it is that you're going throughout the day and, and where you're conducting your life and those that are in, in your circle, whether it be your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, uh, whoever that you're running into, that go ye therefore and teach all nations. That, that has the idea of making unbelievers disciples of Jesus. You know how that starts? Well, you got to come to the realization that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and there's no way that you can ever go into the presence of a holy God in the sinful state that you are, just like we are, and that the only way you're ever going to get there then is through the blood sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on that cross. He died on that cross for your sins. He died on that cross, and he died and, and went to the grave, and then he showed us that he was God, when he rose from the grave and, and, and now has ascended into heaven and the work is complete, place your faith in that work that Jesus has done. And when you do that then, and you give him your heart and you trust what he will do and he saves you, then you are a disciple of Jesus. Now walk in the way that you ought to. Okay? Well, how do you do that? Well, he goes on. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. First thing God wants you to do is make it public that you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you follow the Lord in baptism after your salvation. Baptism doesn't save you. That's why we don't sprinkle babies. All you're doing is getting that baby wet. Now, I'm not here to make people mad, but I'm telling you, that's all it does. That baby has no idea what sin is all about. That baby is secure in the hands of God until that baby can come to the point where he realizes and understands he's a sinner in need of a Savior. And until that time, he is safe in the hands of Jesus. And so you don't need to be baptizing your baby hoping that that's going to get them to heaven. It's not going to get you to heaven. The only thing that gets you to heaven is your faith, your trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And you trust him and then you, after you have been saved and come to that realization and and you've humbled your heart and trusted him as your savior, then you let the world know that you are a follower of Christ and the first way you do that is through your baptism. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost because it's all about Him. And then what do we do? Teaching them, teaching those that have become disciples, those that have trusted Christ, those that have been baptized, and and then we teach them to observe, to keep, to, to all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Whatever God's Word says, that's what we want to know, and that's what we want to learn, and that's what we want to apply to our lives. And and then to remember, and Lord, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. That's what we do. We, we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to not only tell them about Jesus, but if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, but you've never followed him in baptism, you ought to do that. Okay? Uh, it's not for numbers or anything else. It's about being obedient to what God tells you to do. And, and the, word bab- the, the word baptize in the New Testament, it means to immerse. And why? Because it represents, in Romans chapter 6, it represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Sprinkling doesn't do that. Pouring doesn't do that. The only way that it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is by the literal death, burial, and resurrection in that, in that water. And you're going under your death to yourself. You raise up a newness of life. And so you're letting people know that you're a disciple of Christ. And then we're going to do everything we can to, to teach what God's Word says so that we can obey it and do what God tells us to do. That's it. That's all we want to do is know what the Bible says. It goes against tradition. It goes against what we've been taught sometimes as children. And, and that's why that, that the religious get very upset. That's why they killed Jesus because he comes in, revolutionizes everything, and shows us that it's not about a bunch of rules, but it's all about Jesus and that relationship that we have with him and, and just doing what God wants us to do. Let us just keep doing that. And, and so, yes, you know what? It, it does make us uncomfortable at t- times, and, and it gets us out of that comfort zone. But we just want to do what God tells us to do. Let us be what the Great Commission is. Let us be practicing that every day that we get a chance. You know what? Sometimes we get out of our comfort zone because he tells us here, look in Matthew chapter 22. I find this, this interesting. And Sometimes there are those that want to hear. Sometimes people don't. Matthew 22, it says, And Jesus answered, He spake unto them again by parables, and said, Kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son, sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. 
Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. When the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. Can I, can I tell you something? Those that want to scoff about the kingdom of God, those that want to scoff at what Jesus Christ did on that cross, those that want to deny that and laugh at that and scoff at that, there is a day of destruction coming. And they'll see and realize how powerful our God is. And let us make sure that, that God's not knocking on your heart right now and telling you that you need to trust Him as your Savior and quit playing the game of religiosity and, and quit playing the game of hypocrisy and get things right in your heart and get things right in your life right now and call on Jesus to be your Savior. There will come a day when you'll give an account. And so then he says, then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. I'm telling you, sometimes whenever you start doing this, and, and you go out in the highways and the hedges, you, you end up finding people that maybe other people are looking down on. And, and you find people that are not in their comfort zone or, or make you out of, bring you out of your comfort zone. And, and you find out that as you are going out into the highways and hedges, you, you're going to meet the wealthy, that all they do is consider their wealth to be what's going to reserve them a place in heaven. And, and, and you're going to have to talk to them and show them that your wealth isn't impressive to God whatsoever. You need to come humbly to God, and, and you're going to deal with those. You're, you're going to deal with those hard workers that say, you know what, I live my life, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, and I work hard every day. And you're going to deal with the farmers like that. You're going to deal with the welders, the oil field workers, the, the construction guys, and uh, I'm, I'm all the, all the blue-collar guys that are out there. And, and you're going to deal with them and how hard they are and, and knowing that how tough they are. But I'm telling you, you want to go through life and you want to do it without Jesus, it will crush you. And I don't care how big you are and how tough you might be. It, it'll crush you and bring you to a point of anger and bitterness and, and, and rejection. And, and you'll not like anyone and nobody will like you. Or, or you might come to the point where you'll get to the hopeless situation and think that there's no use in life. And you'll believe the lies of the devil. And maybe even some have taken their lives because of that. I'm telling you, the world is a heavy place. And and, and we're going to reach out to those. And, and you might even run into those that are poor, those that are addicts, those that are lonely, those that are deserted. And, and, and I even think about Jesus when he came into the, 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 the um, Gadarenes and, and there he met that crazy nut that was possessed by the devil, uh, by a legion of devils. He cast those demons out and, and it says that he sat there then clothed and in his right mind but do you not think that man didn't have some baggage? Boy, I would say that we look around in our congregation today and I would say that we probably dealt with all of what I just mentioned. And it, sometimes it brings us out of our comfort zone. Oh, how we need to understand that we need to stay focused on our main objection 
And that is to do what God tells us to do. We glorify God. We edify the believer. We encourage one another along the way. But we also evangelize the lost. And we see God bring them in. And so you keep focused on your main objections. You, you step out of that comfort zone as, as Moses did, as Gideon did, as Peter did, as Paul did, and, and, and do and, and say and, and uh, walk in the way that, that God would have us to walk. Remember the very last words that, that Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. He told Timothy, he said, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Proclaim it. Tell people what it says. Be instant in season. When they want to hear it, give it to them. Out of season, when they don't want to hear it, give it to them. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering in doctrine. Oh, how we need to just continue to preach the word. It's the word of God that is going to change people's lives. It's the preaching and proclaiming of God's word that God uses today to confound the world and change the world. It's not some psycho babble. It's not some preacher that sits down and dialogues with you and, and, and tries to be some psychotherapist. It's the preacher standing up and saying, this is what God says. Thus saith the Lord. Now let's go do it. That's what God wants us to do. And, and so let us preach the word and tell people about Jesus. And G Jesus even said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is thy truth. Oh, how we need to preach and tell people the truth of God's Word. And, and you know what happens whenever we preach the Word of God and, and tell people about Jesus? And, you, you know, preachers sometimes get all caught up in all of their gimmicks and all, all of the other things that they're doing. And, and I'm telling you, the main emphasis of every church ought to be to preach the Word of God. God can change people's lives. In Acts 2, verse 41, Then they that gladly received His Word... Those that were saved were baptized. Same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That was added to the church. 3,000 people saved and added to the church at that time. You go over to chapter 4 and verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. I mean, so now we have 3,000. Now we have 5,000. And then you get over to chapter 5. And, and, and here you look at... And verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Man, I think about that and I think of those people that were saved and, and they come in and, and here are the disciples and they're preaching the word of God and they're, and they're watching God do something magnificent in their lives. And, and I know that this is a transitional book in the book of Acts and I understand that, but I'm telling you that the power of God's word still works in the hearts of people today. And if we'll just continue to preach the word of God, it will change people's lives. And you know what? They're going to come. And we're going to love them, and we're going to take them where they are, and we're going to help them get where they need to be. But I'm telling you, as you do that, there's a whole lot of sin baggage in people's lives. And we're going to help with that. We're not going to sit around condemning and judging and saying, well, we'll choose this one and we can handle this, but we can't handle that. I'm telling you, sin is ugly and all of it is ugly and we better be willing to love people where they are and take them where they are and help them to get where they need to be. Thousands were saved and their sin was dirty and I'm sure they were having problems giving some of those things up in their lives and 
having some real struggles in their lives and uh, things that, that, were, that were pretty nasty and probably made a whole lot of other people very uncomfortable. And it really will make the religious very uncomfortable. Because we have a certain standard of holiness here that, that you need to abide by. And now you're telling me that that, that that doesn't matter. That we go into these highways and hedges and, and we bring all these people in that are really just normal people and having all of their issues. And you think that we're to minister to them? Yep. When a church loses that, put Ichabod over the door, sign it, seal it, nail it shut. And go somewhere else. Oh, how we need to tell people about Jesus and get a little uncomfortable. So keep your focus on the main objections. Step out of your comfort zone. Get out of that. And last thing is that it takes love, work, and obedience. Love. Oh, how we, we want to fall into the definition of the world. Love means that we accept everything that people do. No, we don't. We accept you. We love you. We love your soul. We want you to make sure that you are on your way to heaven. But I don't like your sin any more than I like my sin. And we need to deal with the sin. Oh, but if you disagree with how I'm living, then you must hate me. Didn't say that. Bible doesn't say that. That isn't what Christianity is about. The world keeps screaming that lie because the devil keeps shouting it in their ears and saying that Christians are all this judgmental group and, and everybody's going to hell. I'm telling you, anyone that doesn't trust Jesus Christ as their Savior is going to hell. And if you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then don't live like you're going to hell. Live like you're going to heaven. Live like you love Jesus. Live like he's not some second-rate citizen in your life and that he's second place in your life, third place in your life, fifth place in your life, but he's first place in your life. Live like you mean it. Live like you're a believer that you ought to be, walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Oh, how we need to learn and understand that first and foremost, Jesus said it over and over and over that what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and body. Oh, how we need to love God. We need to love Him more than anybody else. We need to love Him more than our spouse. We need to love Him more than our children. We need to love Him more than our job, more than our house, more than our car, more than our dog, bless God. We need to love God. You know what that means? Then if we love God, then we really need to love His Word right? I mean, his word is how he communicates with us today. Yeah, I'm sorry, but if you have some, I'm really not sorry. I just don't want you to get too upset with this. But if somebody comes to you and says that God's speaking to them through a vision, you need to get away because I rank that person right there with the guy, that the, the madman of the Gadarenes, okay? God's going to talk to you today through his word. This is how he's going to speak to you today. He's not going to come to you in dreams and visions. He's not going to give you something new under the sun that, that, you, that no one else has. He's done with that. He's given us everything that we need right here in this word. Oh, sometimes we like to hear something new because we're tired of trying to do what the old tells us to do. God's just waiting for you to get your hearts right and do the right thing. I'm telling you, let us be careful with what we're listening to and 
let us take the Word of God and let us live according to it and, and understand the power of the Word of God. Look in, in Psalm 19. Look at this. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. The law of the Lord. That's the Word, okay? Is perfect. Converting the soul. We want someone to be saved and give them the Word of God. God can convert the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You want something that never changes? God's Word doesn't change. It said the same thing for all these thousands of years. Still means the very same thing that God said then. Man, don't let it be changed. And, and so it making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. More to be desired are they than gold. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant worn, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Oh, I'm telling you how we need to fall in love with the Word of God. We need to be willing to listen to it every day, read it every day, uh, apply it every day, and, and find God to use it to convert our lives and, and, and conform us into what He wants us to be. Because if we don't, the world is happy to conform you into her image. Let us be careful. And so we need to love God and we need to love His Word. And may I tell you, we need to love people. I, I believe I, I have been in some churches that don't love people. I think they love their traditions and they love their status that they have by being there, but they really just don't love people. First of all, if you're a pastor and you don't love people, you really ought to go find some other kind of a job. Work at McDonald's drive-thru. They seem to do well at that. But not in the ministry. Matthew 14, 14, and that wasn't very kind, was it? I should even love those that work in the drive-thru at McDonald's. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick tells us on over in Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 and Jesus when he came out saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things and then I'll end with one verse in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 15 Paul made this statement, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. We can go back to the vines growing up on that dead church, and we can watch this church end up doing the same thing, and like I said, you know the sad part was is that church died many years before it ever finally closed its doors. Or we can be a vibrant, 
God-loving, word-applying family of God that can make a difference in this community and do something great for our Savior. But we need to love God. And we need to love his word. And we really need to love people. There's not much of that today. There's a lot of hatred. And the devil knows that, so he wants to keep everybody stirred up, mad at each other over stupid things. I find it amazing how easily it's done and how easily people are convinced. Let us love people. And let's open the doors that God allows us to walk through and let's tell somebody about Jesus. And let us never, ever lose that. If we don't lose that, then God will do something great with Platte Valley. Where are you at? Where are you at in your life? Maybe you came today, this is the first time you've been here, and all of a sudden this thing just hit you right smack upside the head, and it's called the gospel. You need to trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ for eternal life. Jesus died for you. That's how much he loves you. And then he showed us that he was God by being put in that grave and on that third day walked out of it by himself. And so you call and trust upon him and he'll give you eternal life. And then the adventure begins. You want to be identified with him and so you get baptized and that church that you're baptized, you join that Bible-believing church family in all their weirdness. <laughs> and together in all of our weirdness, we serve God together. And one day, when we're in eternity, we can look back and God maybe, I don't know, maybe he will allow us to see then how much of an impact we made on the lives of others. It's really all that matters. When we, if God tarries, we come to that day of our funeral, let it be a day where many people will say, that person loved God, loved his word, and loved me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that it is to read about our Savior and how much he loves us. And so, Father, I pray now that you will guide and bless and lead us and direct us and give us the wisdom and decisions that we need to make. Pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that needs to trust you as their Savior, that, Lord, today they would do so. And Father, I pray for those of us who are believers today. Lord, I know it's easy to get in a rut. It's easy to just get focused on what we're doing and we lose sight of where we're at and what we ought to be doing. And so, Father, I pray that you bring us back where we need to be. And I pray that you use us greatly to impact somebody for eternity. Lord, we love you. We pray your blessings on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 839 is that hymn of invitation. If you need to make a decision, you can do so in your pew or in your seat if you want. You can come and we'll get things right. Whatever you need to do, let's just make sure that we deal with that. This is that opportunity to do so. If you haven't, let's make sure that you do. 839, let's all stand as we sing.
what a great way to end the day uh, this morning. And so uh, let's get out there. Let's glorify God. If you can at all be here tonight, come. For those of you who are following, haven't been in there in a long time, but we will be back in the book of Revelation tonight. So uh, looking forward to that, chapter 4. Gotten through the first three chapters now, so uh, you guys come and uh, we'll be in the book of Revelation tonight. God bless you guys. Have a great day. See you tonight.